Asset Arrest, your global agent for accessing the property you can't afford. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of Asset Arrest, a podcast about financialised housing, real estate and its impact upon communities, the meaning of community, ways of living and urban space. I'm Laura Yule and in each episode I typically invite a guest to attend a viewing of a residential property with me as we pose as potential buyers. Guests are invited to talk about their own work, to share their knowledge and experiences on related issues and to respond to the property that we view together and its place within a wider urban and global context. This has of course been largely put on hold throughout the past year due to Covid and multiple lockdowns, but last week I made my first trip out in a while to view a £12 million house in Kensington, London with artist and friend Deborah Delmar. From Mexico City, where she was born and grew up, Deborah then moved to New York for her undergraduate studies before returning to Mexico and then moving to London around five years ago to begin the programme at the Royal Academy Schools, which she finished in 2019. Deborah's work explores consumer culture, aspirational and corporate aesthetics, globalisation and the circulation of goods and people, and issues relating to class. She has exhibited internationally with exhibitions including the Ninth Birth Berlin Biennial, Modern Art Oxford, Museo Universitario del Chopo in Mexico City and Museum of Modern Art in Warsaw. Before I meet Deborah, let's hear what the estate agent's listing has to say. Having been through a comprehensive refurbishment program, creating approximately 4,600 square foot of internal accommodation, this unusually wide house has a frontage of over 28 feet. The main facade, featuring the retained pub front and a traditionally looking mansard, blends into the conservation area. The rear of the building is more contemporary with large sliding glass panels and roof terraces. With a passenger lift to all floors, accessing any of the five bedrooms, a large reception room, cinema room, gym or spa area takes no time at all. Fairhold Street is situated in the quiet village area of Knightsbridge, between the Brompton Road and Hyde Park. The world-class shopping and amenities of Knightsbridge and Sloan Street are a short walk away. Hi Deborah. Hi. Um, let these people pound. Um, thanks for joining me in Kensington to view 10 Fairholt Street, which is a five bedroom, uh, 12 million pound house. How are you today? Easy. Mm, Easy. Yeah, good. <laughs> good. Um, <laughs> Thank you. It's very strange to be here. I mean, like, it and is. not be where at home. <laughs> <laughs> I know taking the train here and then coming out yeah sorry i keep worrying that we're stood should we move somewhere else house. maybe we could I walk think we are at some, we could walk with it yeah and we could just talk and maybe walk, we can right? get in that square yeah i think it's fine let's do it we're just um trying to find a place ideally to sit but everything here is private, private. garden or someone's doorstep <laughs> um there's no no benches to sit I guess I would say that your work looks at issues of, well, really broadly speaking, obviously, like consumerism and kind of uh, aspirational aesthetics and culture and um, I guess class as well. So I'm kind of interested in more and more, I guess, in like also like circulation of goods and then that also comes obviously property. And I work with installation and photography, like, I don't know, it's like conceptually based uh, work, uh, but it comes just from research of, I guess, growing up in Mexico City and in being in a country that's been obviously influenced widely by like the US and like not only like culturally, but also through uh, policies that have been um, through the ni- in the 90s where like the NAFTA agreements and um, trade agreements and um, that were that, took, that were put in place during that time. The whole, well, yeah, the whole not country changed in terms of things that were coming in and out, exports and imports, but also just like what you know, people also as well as same as people moving Mexican people. Like, yeah, try, try but also to... things like the avocado, I guess. You exactly. Recently did something. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I mean, I'm interested in your experience at the RA in terms of just being in this kind of bizarre context, like, you know, like one of the kind of wealthiest, most exclusive parts of London, I guess, on 
well, it's on Piccadilly, but it's near, you know, Mayfair and these places, obviously. Yeah. Um, which seems so the opposite of most places that artists find themselves working. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, yeah, so I'm wondering how that shaped your work or how you found working there in general. Well, I found it fascinating. I think I, I found it when I first got there. I think I was, I felt quite uh, shocked and a bit like oppressed, you know, mm. by this architecture and just like the cars, the luxury shops, like everything around it was quite shocking to presence. Like also being a foreigner and never seen that before. And like before mm. I applied, I went there once and saw it all. And then I kind of like saw the an open studio, like oh, their their degree show. Um, and then I I didn't actually think then that I would apply. But then once I kind of decided to to move to UK, it was like okay, I can I should try it. And then just being, I guess like my first year there was yeah I think it was like it took me a while to kind of adjust not like culturally but also just like to going to this area and then also thinking okay I'm gonna make art in here mm. and what is it like to be in a studio where like also clearly you're in a museum but also like it's like a structure of patrons and yeah you know what yeah, I mean yeah. like so it's I think it felt very much like were the, patrons like coming around your studios at times or was not, it quite not so private? much during my time sometimes they would they would organize lunches there with them and it was kind of randomly I don't know how they picked people really but sometimes they would just tell you would you want to join yeah. for this lunch with and these, these are people that probably live in an area like this like in exactly and like we're all like going from obviously different areas of the city like outside in the mm. you know like cheaper neighborhoods that we can afford and then you're there uh working yeah kind of I mean it, it kind of I think my degree show and like my work was really a response to like the area like it yeah. really I mean I'm and I also my interest in moving to UK was just like my research in capitalism and I felt like obviously I mean there is a question I've been I've been reading this book about um the origin it's called the origins of capitalism and it's obviously not e- an easy answer to that <laughs> uh and like, so from which perspective you're you're analyzing it you know like from obviously yeah. it's most of the time analyzed from like a eurocentric perspective uh, but in in terms of like yeah thinking about capitalism obviously like the uk comes in your you know it's like the first place that you can think of um, yeah Yes, London as a city of uh, capital flow and like also zero production but most I mean and also production of goods but actually a lot of circulation of currency and money and power and like corruption <laughs> money, laundering. money laundering money laundering etc tax evasion so I kind of wanted to as an outsider look into that and I think that being in that context allow me mm. you know yeah, like going like doing being a residency there. somewhere really bizarre <laughs> for three years yeah yeah it felt somewhere that you would never be able to live or <laughs> yeah or have any reason to go I mean I guess to see shows but also those the galleries are there are mostly like YouTube, you know like yeah well yeah big gal- course, not the galleries that you feel comfortable, comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. like you know rarely you've it's like yeah, it, it definitely is like that sense of class, of power, mm. of... And, and how, of how does the sense of like inequality present in London or the visibility of it compare with, you know, Mexico City, which is obviously completely different? Mexico City is... You see it very clearly. I think in some somehow it's a bit similar. Like there's clearly neighborhoods there where, where you know this mm. is just where rich people live. Like there's gated communities, there's... Uh, there's like a lot of people have um, drivers and also have like bodyguards etc obviously because of I mean in Mexico it's because of like yeah I mean people getting kidnapped it's no like more it, violence yeah more yes. violence and obviously there's the poverty poverty in Mexico is way bigger I mean the the proportion compared to the UK is yeah. much larger than yeah than the UK and therefore in your everyday life you're kind of very aware Mm. of it Um, and then depending on which neighborhood you're in I mean I guess also like that affects a lot of your mobility in the city the way you I don't know walk around this you know in the streets like as a, also I guess as like as a woman um, like being late at night on your own is not necessarily like you know it doesn't feel necessarily like the safest thing to do that you always have to be a bit like aware of where you are I guess London has its things too as like a city you know like city life there's pickpocketers etc but mm. um, yeah you know it's a bit it's different it's, <laughs> it's definitely and I guess the extreme wealth 
extremes i guess you can see them they're more apparent there i would yeah. say uh but extreme wealth is more apparent here like yeah, in yeah, this yeah. neighborhood like yeah. you know this this type of but architecture of <laughs> and the type of architecture and everything has this history whereas like rich people in mexico have like new builds yeah most of the time well every, actually every, this house we're going to is one of the few like old one that's like an older building that's been refurbished and kind of yeah by the looks of it, kitted out with a very uh, kind of beige, modern interior. I don't know if that's part of yeah. the house that you get. or But yeah, I think when it's not a new build, I'm always interested in like the story of who lived there before and why they're leaving and how long they owned it. Because um, it's very different, obviously, from the new build, like buying something off plan or living yeah. in these like kind of like apartment units that all look exactly the same. Though saying that, we're here and all these houses look kind of the same, so. They do. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there is like a very, I, I think in, in Mexico, archi architecture is a lot, I mean, that's why people, most people would say it's like a lot more free and people are more, maybe like things don't look the same. There's not so many rules sometimes like mm. here. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. like here you can clearly There's tell this is like the aesthetic of wealth and this is like new wealth, like old wealth and new wealth like are very apparent. Yeah. Whereas in, I think, yeah. Mexican architecture is it's like also less apparent because a lot of it is behind walls and then you can you enter and you see mm. the house you know what I mean yeah like it's uh, presumably a lot of actually I don't know about these houses but maybe we're near the type of houses that have these crazy basement extensions as well because in a way these are quite well I mean they're they, huge yeah, but they, don't <laughs> but they look, look kind of big. narrow and yeah they don't look that yeah <laughs> it's hard shockingly, to tell yeah um, anyway, we should maybe walk over there in a minute, so okay. let's talk again after. Cool. Oh yeah, what's our story? Are we a couple? Are we... Oh. Is one of us the other one? Maybe I thought maybe we could be colleagues and we could work for like a gallery, like, like yeah. David Sverner or something. <laughs> was the first one I thought of. <laughs> and we're some kind of art consultant, salesperson. Yeah. And, and my husband's paying for it, essentially. Yeah, that sounds good. I don't good. know, it yeah. sounds reasonable. Okay. okay, so we're we've just done our viewing of the house on Fairholt Street. Um, what did you think, Deborah? Um, I thought it was pretty great. You, you mean know. like not even not even it beige, but like a kind of more depressing than beige? Yeah, like I thought it looked nice from outside. This obviously the neighborhood is quite like impressive, and it looks like people there are very wealthy and. Of course, it's a, yeah, a very expensive property, but really inside it was just quite like meh. Like it, it wasn't, it didn't really have anything very special to it. Mm. it yeah, I mean, I thought like, yeah, the rooms weren't particularly large or spectacular for 12 million pounds. And I guess, yeah, I guess you're just paying for like the proximity to Harrods and to Hyde Park and things like that rather than you know, the new build aesthetic, which usually has a big view over the city and more of a kind of penthouse layout. Yeah, I think it was, yeah, it's, I don't know, it had like a few things that were okay to it, but actually like thinking about how much money the property is worth and like just imagining like, oh, if I had this money, would I want to buy this house? You know, like, is this what that money gets me really? Like, yeah, you know, it kind of really puts things into perspective. Really hard to imagine why anyone would buy that. But, I mean, what he said, it was owned by a company and that no one had really lived there. And I actually, yeah. I remember I checked online and it used to be a pub, which is why it was, like, wider than the houses around it. Oh. Um, or at least, like, the ground floor used to be a pub. So I think, I don't know if the company converted it from that. Mm. But it does, yeah, it has, like, the furniture and aesthetic of, like, a kind of office lobby i guess yeah and then the like basement area too like everything looked pretty new but also not like i don't know like not very luxurious there there was like no personality to it too but then also like it had this like luxurious elements to it like having a spa at home and having the cinema, cinema or whatever like it kind of like yeah, if you look at all the celebrity homes and whatever, it's like all these features that everybody wants to have at home. But, you know, it just, it, I mean, also like it was quite creepy in the basement. Um, yeah, there was like two 
layers of basement, which I guess they probably had to put in themselves, the company maybe, or someone had to get that extension made. But yeah, no, yeah. no windows, obviously. Um, the cinema with those purple seats, which looked really trashy. <laughs> <laughs> and then the spa, I mean, yes, the like the jacuzzi and stuff looked kind of amazing, but also, you know, that white clean furniture is quite creepy and the massage yeah. room and the fact that, yeah, you could probably scream down there and no one would ever know you were there. Yeah, and yeah, even whilst we were there, I mean, especially because, like, I guess we're not used to being around strangers or people so much right now, but then, like, being just you and I with, like, a man <laughs> in this, like, setting, it was like, okay, I kind of want to leave now, you know? Like, I don't know. It just didn't make me... I didn't feel comfortable inside the space, basically. No, and it was dark. Most of it was quite dark, apart from like the ground floor. Um, yeah, the only nice floor was the ground floor, but the decoration was awful. And did you see the painting that was like coming out of the wall? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a terrible painting. I tried to take a picture, but then I was like a bit self-conscious about it. Like, I thought maybe I'll get, you know, and then I wanted to tell you about it whilst we were in there, but then, yeah, we were, <laughs> I guess I was pretending to be interested in the I, I don't know how that happens if no one's living there. Like, was it just some old art they found on the street or something? I mean, it looked like it could have been from Ikea even. Yeah, it didn't, yeah, it definitely didn't look like it was expensive at all, <laughs> you know? And like, they be, it's kind of thinking like they're decorating this home, this company, hired people to decorate it so it's appealing for people to buy and it's like pe these people have 12 million it's like you just have to keep reminding yourself like you I know mean, yeah who who is the person that like furnished and decorated it i mean we could do a better job i'm sure i'm sure um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> side job maybe <laughs> um but yeah, maybe it just gets sold to another company and again, no one lives there, so it doesn't matter. It's just yeah. about having the suggestion of a living space. But yeah, definitely not worth £12 million. No, definitely not. Which is, yeah, I don't know. Which is not surprising. <laughs> <laughs> not surprising. Um, I guess you're much more used to seeing properties now obviously so I, I was quite you know it's like if you're telling me we're going to see a property that's this much and it's in this neighborhood yeah. you expect and you expect well it's yeah. like a kind of charming old building but yet you go inside and it looks the same as every kind of new build cheap new build you know it's got the same aesthetic there's yeah, nothing like an easy hotel kind of expensive easy hotel kind of situation in, ter mm -hmm. in terms of the floor um well maybe we can talk a bit more about your work yes <laughs> speaking of this kind of uh pseudo luxurious aesthetic um yeah. i yeah i guess your work kind of often engages with or adopts these kind of aesthetics of what we might consider luxury um i mean not always i guess a lot of it's maybe this a kind of like mainstream luxury as well um, but mm. I guess I'm interested in how your work is critical of this, uh, maybe like lifestyle or a aspiration, um, but in a kind of ambiguous way. Um, so yeah, I guess I wanted to ask how you feel about your kind of relationship as an artist to this idea of luxury. Because um, like, I mean, mm -hmm. arts obviously operate, I mean, in terms of commercial art, it's a very um, kind of elitist, unregulated investment opportunity usually, and also yeah. art, art plays quite a big role in selling these properties. Um, yeah, I think it's, um, well, I mean, it's like the obvious, I guess for me, it's not so much like it would be for artists like, I don't know, Sylvie Fleury or like uh, Jeff Koons or something that kind of like really 
they like really kind of like celebrate it and it becomes a bit just like I mean I prefer Sylvie Fleury in this too I think with uh, Kunz it's just quite like I don't know it's just it tries to be a critique but then it's actually not it's really like he just became what he mm. criticizes you know like well I guess his work I mean the work itself is so expensive to produce in that case yeah. therefore it's like got this other value already and it's big and it you know it looks good in an office lobby yeah and it's kind of made for that so i feel like all the critique just kind of completely disappears by default just by the the way it's produced by the way yeah like what it depicts like i don't know i think at my first approach to films at the beginning i was quite like amazed by him and like i thought maybe you know the same way that i was kind of like impressed by Hearst doing this thing in like the auction house buying his own work and kind of you know claiming their like giving it the, the like kind of like getting ownership of the value but then actually it's like that is just like not the kind of part of the art world that I'm interested in being part of or like what I'm interested in art like art doing at all um I think like for me it's like it's like yeah I don't I don't I, I understand that art will become a luxury good and it's not necessarily that I'm always just like n not all my work critiques it or like I don't I don't want to be like hypocritical about it in terms of like trying to criticize it and then it's like well but I'm actually showing in a gallery or showing so it's like for me I think it's more um, the way I, I I kind of like analyze these things more in relationship to society or like yeah like how in society how these things play a role or in space or in terms of labor or production so it's like whenever like these clocks that i did with the shoe boxes i basically there are these shoe boxes that i found in china when i was doing a residency there and i i i was looking for fake um, luxury like luxury products like clothes etc just because i was interested obviously in the in the history and like the production of these in China and then I couldn't find them at all and then because all of a sudden I quickly started learning how China has tried to hide you know like basically get rid of all the fake the fakes or like that you don't see these markets anymore and Beijing in Beijing yeah were gone whilst I was there um, so like it was really out of luck that I went to this kind of mall and then I saw these shoe boxes and the mall was kind of like almost empty and these people were just i mean also like these people were seemed like they were soon to move out um and i saw the boxes they were just like left and um, i asked them in my whatever <laughs> translation app i had if, <laughs> if i could buy them and they just told me i could take them so then i um yeah, and then I turned them into these, like, clocks, which, I mean, it's kind of like, obviously it's, and the works are titled Luxury Time, which is kind of like playing with this idea with, like, clocks and, like, world clocks and time and, you know, but then obviously they're quite, like, cheap works and quite, like, lumpen or, like, if, if in, like, the Marxist term, because it's, like, literally cardboard. An image, it has the image of the, of a luxury brand, but it's obviously not a, uh, a, a real one um, so I don't know I think yeah I think in my production it can be quite you know I think you can kind of talk about luxury or the yeah the production of these goods etc I mean I think it's like for me it's more interesting to do it through actually kind of maybe playing with the system of these things or somehow hurting it I don't know I, I I just yeah not 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 just producing luxury you know like reproducing like I don't know an expensive diamond and making it uh, out of simpler material I don't know <laughs> yeah and I guess your work sometimes kind of highlights what's behind these goods in a way you know the kind of like global circulation of them and how things are exactly. distributed across the world that's such a shame about Beijing though when I was yeah. There, well, when I was there, like quite a while ago, they used to have this amazing clothing market opposite the the zoo. That all got closed down. I think Beijing and Shanghai certainly like they try to do away with this um, Shanzai culture. <laughs> yeah, I was reading about it whilst I was there, 
And also whilst I was there, I, I found out a lot. Like I just, I, I, I realized how little information I really had and like how little I knew about China. I mean, I still probably don't, but I mean, I, I was just in Beijing. I didn't travel around or anything. But um, just thinking about like, yeah, like the development, like kind of how they're trying to present this like very modern, contemporary image, like, in, you know, like these buildings, these shopping centers. I was staying also like near the shopping center that it's like you would see celebrity, like Chinese celebrities and like paparazzi and then like all these brands. But then, <sighs> but then I also stayed in like the village, which was very, you know, like kind of, yeah, like small and more like, it's in more rural and people were getting kicked out of their homes so with like this graffiti outside the door I don't know if you saw that so it was quite like contrasting and very interesting to see to be able to kind of see also both sides of the city yeah and I guess everything well the newer things are all made so quickly that they look like they're from exactly the same time <laughs> which is very yeah. nice and <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like yeah. all-encompassing facade of newness yeah, I also wanted to ask about the work you showed recently at um, the art fair in Mexico City. What's the art fair called? It's called uh, Material, the one that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The one with the, the, the kind of gates you got made. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I was just wondering um, how that work came to be and what, um, I guess, what the reaction to it was, because obviously, um, yeah, like we're saying, a particular class of person goes to an art fair, someone who's probably implicated in this whole system of wealth or elitism. Um, and I'm just wondering what, you know, how does someone who's perhaps, you know, not maybe in a direct way, but maybe you're being critical of their own lifestyles or aspirations in some way. Um, so I'm just wondering if you had any idea what people's reaction or perception of that work was. So the, the work came about because I was kind of, I kind of like to work thinking about the location and like where I'm showing and um, I mean particularly this because I grew up in Mexico City and I grew up in a kind of gated community in Mexico City um, where my grandparents, like basically it was like my grandparents house and then we lived there as a family um, and it's all kind of like all these gated communities are in the suburbs of Mexico City. Yeah, I mean it kind of like really the fact that yeah, a lot of middle class, upper class uh, people live in this kind of neighborhoods because of security and because of, you know, like... And do they all have like yeah. physical gates or do some of them just have like security cameras and things? There's a, so like to enter these neighborhoods, there's always a little um, how would you call it? Sorry, uh, I don't I forgot the word. Um, concierge or no? No, like once you enter the neighborhood, like you would enter it first of all in like your car. Like there's very little food path going on, <laughs> uh, and then there's like you enter through like there's gonna be like a little I don't know like a construction like a small building where there's a person inside like a toll like similar to a toll hmm. where you pay to enter but you don't pay obviously to enter <laughs> you, but you, there's like security guards there and you have to give like an ID and like tell where you're going like okay. which family you're going to go and see and then oh, you give you your ID and they them, let obviously. you in um, and then inside these neighborhoods a lot of people, and also not not only in these neighborhoods, but in, in many homes in Mexico City, uh, people have these sort of gates outside their homes. Um, it's kind of like the, between the garage, because there will always be kind of like a garage space, and then behind that, yeah, be, like behind the gate, and then there's like this area and then the home will start and then probably behind there'll be a garden or something, you know, so it's kind of a bit like American style home in that sense. Um, uh, yeah, like these gates are kind of, I think they they have like, I don't know, I, I always kind of, I like the aesthetic of them, like I always thought they kind of look very like modernist, so I was thinking about them as kind of like... Yeah, they definitely uh, look more decorative than a lot of the gates you see here, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like 
Yeah, I think, well, some of the gates here are pretty amazing too, but, but. <laughs> I probably, like, yeah, I probably just don't notice the gates. <laughs> <laughs> like the one at the RA, have you seen the one at the RA? It's incredible. It's uh, nuts. Is it got gold bits and things on yeah, it? Yeah, lots I of gold. I, I can imagine it. <laughs> <laughs> but these, these ones are, yeah, this is like a different time. So this is like 50s, 60s aesthetic. So yeah, more modernist, yeah, and simple. Well, mm -hmm. like lines, lots of lines, and they're usually made out of. Uh, they they're painted different colors um, of metal, like kind of gold or or black or yeah. Um, so yeah, I kind of uh, was thinking about the booth and the booth as like uh, of, of the art fair as like also like a kind of piece of real estate temporarily that will that is rented to the gallery to sell works uh, of art. Um, I, I thought of the, the gate kind of the way I, I worked with uh, some welders that actually lived in the neighborhood where I grew up in, or worked in the neighborhood where I grew up in. And they, um, they kind of helped me with the design a bit as, as well. And I asked them to, so I designed it so it's like in five parts. So it, they didn't have to like transport the whole thing. So, you know, and I kind of, as a work, I also like the fact that it, you can kind of showing in, show it in parts or you can kind of show it all put together um, mm. as a gate. It's less final than a gate seems usually. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then I had some other works that were on the wall that um, those works were um, recreations of advertisements from also that 50s, 60s of when these neighborhoods began. Like they started to be built in, in, in that era, like Mexico City kind of now is huge, but at the, you know, like that neighborhood. Um, where I grew up, it didn't exist. Uh, like it just, yeah, it was just kind of like built around, like, yeah, the, that time. So it, they're quite new, you know, like in a sense. Um, and they all, all of the like the advertisements, they all kind of showed a bit. Like it was interesting because it, you could imagine, and people reacted to that. I could hear like families or like you know people. That that kind of like lived in the city for a while or during, like since that time, like they were like they would recognize and be like, oh, I know this neighborhood. Like yeah, I remember how at that time there were very little cars and we didn't have like yeah, it was quite far away, but it was very, it wasn't very like like the city wasn't that populated. So now now basically all these neighborhoods are now because the city and the population grew and grew and grew because also Mexico is so. Um, centralized, you know, like tons of people go to the capital and work and live, etc. So, um, all of these neighborhoods that, that kind of promise this idea of being outside the city but still having like a view of the city or being close to the city through a new avenue, <laughs> they're just now like all these issues of uh, traffic and, you know, like all these problems of the city are already like part of them too. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, people had to. Yeah, so the gate covered the 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 open side of the exhibition booth, basically. Yeah, and then uh, it was the the door. Um, it had a lock, and the galleries had the key. Um, and we didn't like advertise or like tell people, but if people asked um, or were curious, like they were invited to go inside if they wanted to. Um, so it, yeah, it kind of. Yeah, a bit like this thing about yeah exclusivity or like having yeah like kind of playing with those. Um, and how, how like the advertisement from the fifties? How does it compare with um, like advertising for real estate today in Mexico City or anywhere? I guess. I don't know. First of all, there were I guess black and white. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> but in, in terms of like the the image. In the aesthetic? Yeah, the image of like the life it, it projected. Yeah, yeah, no, but this like obviously like it them being black and white that were drawn. A lot of them there were like, and some of them have pictures of the gardens and stuff. Uh, but the 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 life was very much about yeah, like they kind of showed um, caricatures or you know like very fifty style drawn 
of a family, like, uh, you know, like a perfect kind of family, meaning perfect family means mom, dad, <laughs> two kids, <laughs> one, one girl. Uh, perfect. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, and I guess, um, yeah, like, the guy, there was one of, like, a man in a car, um, he's driving with a family, there was, like, a, another one where he, there's a man actually, like, <laughs> painting, he's, like, in this home, but he's, like, painting in a garden, like, Oh, like with you know, an easel or something. Yeah, with an easel, like, it's very, but he's wearing, like, a business suit, so it's, like... <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Um, that sounds like... And everything actually in the text, what it says, a lot of them, they're like giving you the information, like the square meter just as, I mean, any, uh, uh, but then they're also saying kind of like close proximity to city, like it, they would kind of talk about like, you know, there's gardens in this area, there's a church, you know, like this is very Catholic, Mexico, um, you know, like the church is important, like grand, you know, like it's it's safe, it's, uh, yeah, kind of like all of these features that, um, yeah, like a, a traditional family of that time would want, I guess. Would it be part of the work for you or would you be happy if... I don't know what happened at this art fair, but if someone was to buy this gate and it ended up kind of inside the house of like someone wealthy or, you know, like, like imagine it inside the house we, we viewed today or something like this. And it's this weird kind of inside out situation where the gate has, has entered the person's house and becomes this like just sculptural object. How would you feel? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I kind of thought about it as a sculpture. Um, so it was quite, I mean, I'm, I'm actually possibly showing that work again this year at a gallery in Mexico, and that would be inside the space. So I think it will definitely like change a bit the way it's a um, experience or, you know, like, um, but then, yeah, made it look more like an actual like a, like a sculpture, which yeah, which I think is like, well yeah, part of the aim of the work is just in the in the setting also of the art where it became quite obvious. Well, more like it became more like you know an entry instead of like a sculpture necessarily. Yeah. Uh, well, it was functional. Yeah, like even the, it was quite funny when we were installing it. Um, the guys that helped me make it came and they were like oh so you're the only one why are you the only one that has a gate <laughs> <laughs> you know like they were thought, like everyone was supposed to have a gate to enter yeah wow. oh, you then it'd be like a, a prison like a proper <laughs> yeah like you want to protect your work you know i think they thought it was like me protecting whatever was behind it mm. which i I thought was quite you know like it was going to be very valuable or something even though i kind of i did talk to them and then they they saw it and yeah we kind of explained um that it was a an art fair and a sculpture but yeah but yeah it would be cool to see it um inside someone's home that would i mean yeah i don't know or like a collection <laughs> of like <laughs> kind of instead of it being um used as a gate necessarily yeah uh yeah and also a lot of the time you work with um, like ready-made mass-produced objects, um, sometimes beside or in combination with uh, like images you've taken yourself or, or sometimes had printed onto objects or surfaces. So I was wondering if you've always worked in this way or if, I don't know, if you kind of arrived at this after a while um, and, you know, was it just a kind of natural way of working or did you make a kind of decision at some point that you're going to work with objects i think you mentioned something about your production process as being like hunting which i liked yeah i think it's because hunting or shopping even i mean i guess you could call it shopping it's either hunting or shopping and it's kind of you hunt or shop for i guess because my work deals with the real world not uh not fantasy it's a i kind of feel like these things exist and they exist for a reason and they're become yeah it's kind of like you're trying to find them and reappropriate them and take them and kind of understand them through yeah through collecting these objects like sometimes i'm just like attracted to certain objects and i collect them 
and then they become a work later on you know like and then same with photography i think it's like um the reason i also like using my phone is because it becomes e this hunting becomes a lot easier um like it's like more yeah more i mean instantaneous and private i guess like i guess we're all well everyone on instagram certainly maybe is like hunting in some yeah. <laughs> to some capacity because yeah we're kind of like always capturing these these kind of images as we're moving around the world now yeah i think it's like our relationship with images has become with the these apps is definitely it's it's made us more into looking for these images and i guess that's also kind of part of the reason why art and selfie art has become so popular like you know be, kind of become becoming like a backdrop for those selfies and for those images that you have to share online, I guess. Um, and do you, would you say you're always kind of hunting um, or is there like particular spaces or places where you're like, okay, this is relevant or interesting to me or is like everywhere kind of a potential site of production? Um, well, I think, I mean, I live in a city kind of because I know that the city provides for the things that I'm, looking for you know like i think uh, i couldn't really live uh, yeah in a countryside because i wouldn't be able to i guess it's like because sometimes so the hunting can kind of be organic or it can be a bit organic which i enjoy like when you're walking around and then all of a sudden you find something you know you know what i mean and then sometimes it's more like you I have uh, an idea for okay like I, I want to go to this uh, area and like take photos of these things so or or I want to I think about I want to I don't know I'm making uh, for an exhibition like thinking about looking for those images for example that I uh, use for the advertisements or looking for certain objects too like I, I need like I made a sculpture out of table table bases and I bought them so it's kind of a bit of both. I think it's important to have a bit of, like, also be a bit, I guess, in making work, it's good to be, use your intuition as well as you kind of plant stuff together. I don't know. Both of, both have you things. ever, have you ever, like, spent, like, maybe through a residency, like, time in the countryside or something and ended up using it as a source of work? <laughs> or is it always kind of, is it always, like, rooted in, in like, an urban context? I was in a residency, oh my god, um, this was ages ago, but I did this residency in the south of France, in this village of like 25 people, <laughs> and I was going nuts, uh, I think the reason, like the, we would have to drive to go to like the kind of town, and also the schedules were like crazy, people take like crazy lunch hour break so like the time that we would have to actually go and get anything I was basically it became like me just being online <laughs> and I guess that was like what I was able to do and like finding stuff or anything it was very like they had these like they call them the vitre-grenier I think it's like this uh, kind of like a garage sale or like um, um, so I would yeah. find I would go and find like yeah, like used items and stuff like that. But I had to order some things online and it took ages. Like, <laughs> it was quite difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I just, as an art, I, I guess if I had maybe done more research, but we were doing also like an exhibition. So, yeah, I found it difficult as a situation, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine you working in that context, to be honest. <laughs> like, but me neither. Like, I... I don't think I don't really apply for like residencies that take place in rural locations because I, I no. it, it's like the blank uh, the yeah like the blank canvas thing I think I would just feel like yeah. not that the countryside is a blank canvas that's <laughs> I shouldn't say that but um I don't know I, I need like yeah city stimulation or something yeah, I think it's like, obviously your work is not necessarily always just based on whatever is around you. Like you can, you know, you can do research or you can like, if you had a project in mind, I guess you could do it. But I think for just like having access to stuff and like, 
I don't know. I, I maybe it's just because I grew up in a city too. Like I'm, I'm. That's kind of what, yeah. I, I'm, I look for in terms of, yeah, my life, and I find it difficult being very isolated from, from these. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you've done, have you done, I don't know, like a couple of shows over the past year where you haven't been present in the country where the shows yeah. happened? Um, yeah. I'm just uh, wondering if that affected your kind of approach to making the work or what you ended up showing, um, if it kind of made a difference that you couldn't be physically present in the location that the work's made for. Um, it kind of, I mean, really... It, it, at, at the end, it really didn't, um, which is kind of, yeah, a bit like I don't want to really admit it, but you know, like it kind of because, because I enjoy. I mean, it's important for me to be present in terms of like the installation and like seeing, you know, like being part of that. Like I, I missed out on that part, which is, I mean, I enjoy doing that, like as part of the work, since a lot of my work ends up being kind of planning or like, yeah, like getting things commissioned or like directing kind of something instead of like, because I don't make the stuff necessarily in the studio. So I think where it kind of becomes more like I'm involved, it's like in the, in the install. So I kind of had to do everything on SketchUp and send the materials, uh, some of them, but then it kind of like, it was interesting for the project because like, I kind of sorry. You, I I kind of found ways to use things that were locally um, available, so that to create like part of the works or the installation. So that was that was also. I mean, that was good. And like uh, with the biennial, um, I had like people that were in the state of Michoacan in Mexico where it took place. So they like these. The, they were the assistants of the biennial, and they were helping us out. So they they kind of dealt with the production there, you know. Um, but so, you wouldn't necessarily want to continue working in this way because... No, not really. I think, I mean, I, I think it's, uh, I mean, in a way, I don't always like or enjoy being really in the openings of the exhibitions or things like that. Um, but, I mean, it's part of the work kind of to to be there to kind of make the last when you're doing installation also like I think it's quite yeah uh, you, you know. want to make decisions in the space yeah it's it's tricky like I'm, I'm happy with the way things came out but obviously I've only seen pictures of, of the stuff like the the works and I feel like yeah I would have rather been able to to be there but yeah it, it worked out um, but yeah, it's not ideal. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I just have one more question, which is, I'm wondering if w what you're working on at the moment, if anything, if anything. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I, just I just thought. added that because I <laughs> personally I'm feeling really unmotivated in lockdown. Yeah, 2021 is the year I quit making art. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I've been invited to a few shows, so I'm working on projects for both at the moment, actually. Um, really hoping I can go to Zurich in July for this uh, exhibition at Shet Halle, because I'm planning an installation, and for this I would really like to be there, um, because I'm testing something new, and just like, it's quite a big space. It's like a, a massive space. So I kind of, you know, in, in like SketchUp and everything, like trying to develop things. Uh, I can get an idea of it, but it's not the same as like I have. I struggle like the sense of scale, kind of when you're when you're present to them, just see, seeing it on a SketchUp. Yeah, and then another th this other. I, I I mean I'm in I'm in a few shows uh, in Mexico City but those are works that I, I had from last year um, and then I'm, I'm doing another show in Brazil which has been postponed for I don't know until when but for that one I'm ship I'm actually de dealing with a lot of shipping <laughs> at the moment I purchased a scent from a company in the US and they wouldn't ship to Brazil directly, so I had to ship it to a friend, and then my friend is going to help me ship that to Brazil. Well, a scent, like yeah. a small scent, like it's it's not huge, is it? 
it's like it's like an essential oil like with scent what like a small uh, bottle it's like uh, 16 ounces so that's uh 16 ounces sorry it's just because it's the american scale uh is that is that a liter i'm not sure how much that is i actually have no idea <laughs> but it's like it's not a lot of it but it's it's basically like we'll have some diffusers those like plug-in diffusers inside the space so i i kind of thought yeah and and i will have a sound piece so i think both of the works because i think it's kind of like a bit me thinking about a lot of art becoming very visual like you know very about instagram and like images etc so i kind of for this show, I was kind of interested in working more with stuff that you can can document or that is difficult to to. You <laughs> can't see. do like a COVID online show. I like <laughs> this is my <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like the coming out of lockdown show, yeah. like smells and all the things yeah, that yeah. we haven't been yeah. able to experience. Actually, the sound work is a work that I've been uh kind of i i i used to go inside uh, coffee shops and start recording just kind of like field recording so these through those recordings i i have this sound piece which i will be playing um in the gallery and i mean i, I think obviously it's kind of interesting how that changed you know because i showed that before and it's kind of like this continuing work and obviously i haven't been to coffee shop in ages and I, I like so it, it'll be I guess it'll be quite um yeah like a very different read of that now <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I hope it I hope it happens this year for you yeah I mean I hope the show ha yeah yeah who knows no, just, but yeah I don't I don't know the, the one in Shethala is more object based like a hundred percent on experience yeah I guess people it's more like kind of like architectural intervention and some sculptures that kind of kind of will interact or have something to do with like the movement. I'm thinking about a lot of movement, obviously of goods, but then as well as like kind of like corporate office spaces and like bureaucracy as like spaces that kind of obviously um, limit or enforce your movements in a certain way. So that's kind of where that, uh, yeah. Yeah, what the idea of that project is. Um, well, thank you very much for <laughs> joining me on this viewing. Thank you <laughs> for inviting me. Um, and I, yeah, we, we will not be buying the property this time. No, no, not for me, not for us. We need something more fab, I think. Thank you for listening to Asset Arrest. Don't forget you can follow Asset Arrest on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Google Podcasts, and you'll be notified of the next episode, which should be released next month and will feature another viewing of another luxury property in London. Till then, bye!